This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Yeah, I, I'm starting to think that this is his job, though. If, if he stays healthy... You sound like Buffalo Bill again. <laughs> are you kidding I, me? I don't know what the deal is. Hello? It's, it's, you, like, hit a voice mod or something. There's got to be something that you hit. I didn't touch anything. Is it still bad? <laughs> What's happening? You know, in, in the movie Old School, when Will Ferrell gets hit with the dart, and he, hey, hey, hey man, you're crazy. That's <laughs> seriously what you sound like. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dice Trade Cast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire, DoorDash, and Bet Online. Week four is in the books. My Tampa Bay Buccaneers are three and one against one of the worst schedules in the NFL. <laughs> uh, Dan, your Cowboys are not three and one. They are they're one and three, uh, and have uh, played some good teams, but they've also just been terrible. Uh, so, uh, and this is the where we talk about our uh, teams portion of the podcast. Uh, what's going on? Well, I removed my allegiance from those said Dallas Cowboys after a long, like twenty five year struggle of them being good for a while, then bad for a while, then Romo for a while, then bad for a while with my new favorite quarterback, Dak Prescott. Um, so once Jerry's gone, I'll probably uh, realign myself with the uh, with America's team. But uh, they've definitely been struggling. Your Buccaneers have been much better than I thought. That defense is much better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, we are uh, another week in the books, and the injuries just... Keep coming. This is this is fun. Having fun. Yeah, they keep coming, and I, I keep on seeing all these statistics about how like we're at the same injury pace as last year or in previous years. I just don't believe those numbers. Like, what's going on? <laughs> like, maybe they're not accounting for like in-game injuries. Like, there was a point during uh, week four where Mike Evans was out for about a quarter or so, and Tom Brady must have showed like walked in that hill and said. I did not come to Tampa to throw to Scotty Miller and Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, it's, it seems more prevalent. I think this year one, because of all of the names and two, because we're just so much more antsy than we ever really are because of the whole COVID thing. And, 
it's it's a definitely a different year so everything seems way more but also it does genuinely seem like there have been significantly more injuries it's it's been a struggle between the now a couple games either being delayed or canceled and the injuries it's kind of been a headache and i gotta be completely honest here nathan and i never thought i would say this best ball dynasty might be the move yeah, I, I will say, and obviously we don't talk much commission stuff during the season, but if there's a season to do so, it is this. I, I've seen some commissioners like Ryan McDowell, much better man than I, has offered you know backup scenarios for, for people. And I have basically told my leagues that it's been for yourself. You have to guess whether the games are going to happen. I'm not going to go through and make backup replacements in leagues. And I am of the mindset that if you're a commissioner who wants to do that, more power to you. Great job. You're being a great commissioner. But I am not faulting any of my commissioners, including myself, for not offering that as an alternative. Well, yeah. And I mean, you assume the risk. It's just like any other week. It, nothing but it's, is... But it's not. It's not like every other week. Right. But you still have to assume the risk. It's the same as with everything. It's just it's different in the fact that a game could be canceled. But also someone could get injured at practice or something could happen. Uh, to you know whatever there's always an an if or a what happens and in all sorts of different things so i mean i i 100 understand both sides there is a 0.0 percent chance i'm resetting people's lineups for them and you know if some a game were to be canceled sorry i'm not i'm not doing it (laughs) i'm not being paid for this work and yeah, you mentioned Ryan and Scott Fish and those types of guys. Those guys are all uh, much, much, much better commissioners than I. Uh, I didn't make those options available. Like I said, that we always assume risk. Obviously, this is a little bit crazier, but you still have to be on top of your lineups. It, it's just part of the game. All right. Yeah, actually, one thing that wasn't on our agenda, which I, I guess is probably the biggest news of the weekend, was Cam Newton testing positive for COVID. Obviously, everyone, by the time you're listening to us, has heard that. And I don't think we've seen much dissected in terms of his dynasty value. And I think that for the most part, many people are assuming, OK, this is a two, maybe three week injury, you know, injury of sorts. And and then he's back on the field. Um, do you think other than, you know, just a bummer for the short term for his current uh, managers, do you think this has impact on his dynasty value or you think it's just, uh, you know, or I think this, is this the same as like a hamstring pull that takes you out two weeks? Well, honestly, I mean, it because we don't know the underlying conditions or what could become a condition it's very possible all of a sudden he, you know, develops a lung condition or something else stems from this. So I guess until we know more about what Cam went through during this process, assuming he's in good health and he's doing well and everything is going well, uh, it's it's hard to say that it's not going to affect his his future value because of all of the things that we've heard about this. And it affecting people long term, even if they don't really feel anything now, that the toll it can take on your body and do all sorts of different things. So I, I want to believe that it's not going to affect him long term. I I truly hope, and I hope that for anyone that you know comes across it, that they don't have any long term issues because of it. But there's always going to be that there. 
Now, with Cam, obviously only has the one-year deal in New England, but the way he has played and the way he has been playing, he is going to be a starter day one on a roster next year. Is it New England? I don't know, but the way they're using him and how this playbook has developed because of him, I would venture to say yes. I think I think he's... Also, that team that team is going to be good enough that they're not going to be in the running for a quarterback in as far as the draft position goes. And there aren't a ton that ever hit the open market. But you know, particularly this coming year, maybe maybe I know you've discussed the possibility of Dak leaving, and maybe that's the the crazy landing spot of Dak going to New England. Um, but other than that, I, I think that it's more likely than not he's still in a Patriots uniform in twenty twenty one, if for nothing else other than the fact that Patriots are going to win too many games. Yeah, for sure, and. Honestly, what else is going to be out there? You know, do they want to start over again after Tom's gone? There's all sorts of different factors. I, I think I think Cam, to be completely honest, is a QB one. I'm, I'm if I'm buying him, I'm expecting to pay QB one prices. And I mean, his game hasn't fallen off. He's looked really good this year so far. And now we'll move over to Browns season, folks. Cleveland Browns, they're three and one. And they're three and one on the backs of their running game, which has now been hobbled with, I believe Nick Chubb is out for the season, if not the long term at least, which makes Kareem Hunt, as we've we've talked about all, you know, the last two years, we've said the person who can benefit most from an injury is one Kareem Hunt if Nick Chubb gets injured. That injury has now happened. And Odell Beckham's back. Like he has refound his mojo. He is looking like the wide receiver we saw in the early days of New York. And uh, most importantly, as a frustrated Baker Mayfield manager in many leagues, Odell Beckham had three touchdowns. Three. One, two, three. How many did Baker have of those touchdowns? One. That's ridiculous. Odell Beckham cannot have three touchdowns, and Baker Mayfield have one of those. Yeah, it's it's been a struggle with Baker. He's essentially become a game manager. Hey, Baker, take the easy throws. Don't turn the ball over. We'll win games. They're leaning on all of the talent and they're using these guys in ways that we probably wouldn't have expected them to be used. Obviously, Odell with that massive run for a touchdown, uh, the Jarvis Landry pass for a touchdown, and then one of Baker's two to Odell there. But yeah, you're right. He has looked all of a sudden very good again after we thought maybe maybe the the prime had passed and, and the good days were behind us. He looked elite again, man. It's and yeah, Dallas's secondary is obliterated, but this this Browns team in this offense, if Baker can get his stuff together and start to kind of ramp up a little bit, get comfortable, we start seeing some three hundred yard games. I think he's he's good enough with not turning the ball over at this point. That if he can start, you know, pressuring the ball downfield just a little bit, making some more some more aggressive throws rather than taking the easier stuff, which is what the offense is doing right now. They're just kind of taking what the defense gives them, which is great again, to get Baker's confidence. But uh, I would like to see them try to push for a little bit more. And obviously not having Nick Chubb hurts that a lot. I believe, I believe it was six to eight weeks. He's out um, based on the injury. So most of, if not all of the season, we'll see how, how well he heals and how quick he can come back. So yeah, it's exciting for these Browns. Kareem Hunt launches up that board for short-term value. I still think he has decent long-term value because he is a very good runner. He's a good pass catcher, and he, he can do pretty much everything you need him to. 
So yeah, it's uh, it's officially Brown season. And it's kind of weird because you did mention with Baker how he kind of needs to take a little bit more risk. But I would rather him stick to the more conservative route sure. because last year he kind of felt like I am the Browns quarterback. I need to win games for the Browns. When they had the talent in that running game where Baker Mayfield doesn't have to win the games for him. So I want Baker Mayfield going into the game even if even if we don't have Nick Chubb. If we have Kareem Hunt, DeAndre Johnson, I want him going to the game saying I'm going to use – my backfield to win this game and then using you still have Odo Beckham Jarvis Landry as well but when we saw Baker Mayfield thinking he had to be the one who won the game that's where things went awry that's where he felt the pressure and was turning over the ball so we'll see how much you know the run to pass ratio changes with Nick Chubb out but it seems like they're going to use Dearness Johnson plenty uh which to the frustration of I was hoping that we would see workhorse cream hunt which we're going to see you know increased volume cream hunt but for whatever reason, I don't think the Browns are ever going to give uh, Cream Hunt workhorse work volume. Yeah, I think they like him in that kind of 12, 15, you know, maybe like an 18 touch type game. But also they don't want to burn the tread off of him either. He's he signed there now. They want to they want to keep being able to use him. Obviously, Nick Chubb doesn't have the cleanest bill of health as far as a, a history goes for injuries. And this just adds on to it. So I would expect them to use Ernest Johnson, especially if they're leading in games, to lean on him. He's been in the offense. He knows the offense. He, and he's played pretty well when he's been in there and, and used, So, which is kind of strange when you have Nick Chubb and then Kareem Hunt, and all of a sudden, Ernest Johnson, it looks fine. So, yeah, I think, I think you're right, though. It would be nice to keep seeing Baker just use what he has available and, and take what's given to him. But I think there's a happy medium in there where he can start to push the field, push the ball downfield a little bit more while also still taking care of the football, making making smart throws. And instead of trying to force something, throwing it away or, or you know, taking the, the short option. And on to Antonio Gibson. If it was still stat attack season, this that would be that Antonio Gibson has had his points increase each of the first four weeks. 6, 12, 13, and 22.8, his best career game so far with four catches and 82 receiving yards plus a touchdown on the ground. Uh, I still don't know what to think of this Washington offense. Yeah, I mean, yes, for the most part, it's not a good offense, but I, I still somewhat believe in the talent of Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin has been one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, point blank, you know, period. And so there's some talent between those three players and Gibson is getting the volume right now, especially through the passing game that he is going to be a productive guy. And I I saw Ryan McDowell say that he should be ranked as a top 24 running back. I think that might be a hair high right now, but I'd really have to go sit down and try and rank that RB 12 to 24 range um, to even decide on that. But what are your thoughts on Gibson? Do you think this is a possible sell high opportunity or do you think he's the RB1 in Washington to say? I don't know that it's necessarily a sell high because I don't really think his his value is skyrocketing by any means. I mean, he's not blowing people away on the ground. Uh, Very pedestrian between the tackles, in my opinion. He's explosive and, and, I mean, essentially unguardable as a receiver. And I think that's where they need to really utilize him. Having Gibson and McLaurin uh, as, as weapons is fantastic. They're, like I said, essentially uncoverable. Like you said, Terry McLaurin has been one of, if not the best wide receiver this year. 
it's been incredible. I mean, he looked good last year. He looks elite this year. He looks amazing. And the the one throw downfield, I don't know if he scored or not. Uh, he didn't score because he didn't score a touchdown, and Haskins didn't throw one. But the long throw downfield, that I mean, I don't think I think everyone looked at it and said, "Oh, McLaurin, McLaurin, McLaurin." I mean, that was a dime from Haskins. He makes some bad throws, but he makes a lot of good throws too. There's definitely enough talent there where he should be the starter in Washington. Right, and there's no talent. There's zero talent on the offensive line to protect. Zero, him. zero, absolutely zero. So I think with with Washington. If they can find someone to eat some carries and and kind of help there and be able to fully u- utilize Gibson, get him in space, get him the ball through the air, um, he will absolutely be a top 24 running back. I think the the big question is, is how high do we have Terry McLaurin now? Uh, I mean... See a wide receiver like, one. I, I I don't do dynasty rankings anymore, so it's it's harder to think off the top of my head. But I'm I, yeah, I would guess in like the eight to ten range. Okay. Would you rather have McLaurin or Juju? Juju. Would you rather have McLaurin or let's say like Amari Cooper? Amari. So he's probably on that fringe. I think that eight spot is yeah. kind of the 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 swing vote, I guess, if you want to call it that. Yeah, and like, and like, I would, still, I would still rather have Odell, but that's because sure. I'm an Odell stan. Sure, no, that makes <laughs> uh, sense. Tell you who I, I would rather have. Hot take alert: I'd rather have Terry McLaurin than Clifford's Hiller. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. All right, that's 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 for later on, on in our discussion. Um, but next, we'll go to Jarek McKinnon, who has been having himself. The season, uh, 13.4, 13.7, 16.7, and 22.7 on seven catches and 43 receiving yards. Is this here to stay, or is this going to go away with Raheem Mostert if and when he returns? I mean, the the old saying goes, the best ability is availability. And for Jarek McKinnon's career, he has been unavailable. When he has been available, he was incorrectly utilized because the Minnesota Vikings were idiots and didn't know how to utilize a Swiss Army knife. So now you put him in the best situation for someone that knows how to use every last smidgen of ability that he has, and we are seeing him produce. He's looking good. He looks healthy. This is the Jarek McKinnon I thought we were going to get coming out of college, going to Minnesota. I thought we were going to get this, and they just... They couldn't figure it out. You know, we have him healthy again for now. We'll see how long this lasts. Uh, obviously, the the, the checkered uh, injury report normally has Jerick McKinnon on it. And if he's healthy, man, he's, I mean, sky's the limit in the Shanahan offense. We know Tevin Coleman's always hurt. Raheem Mostert's always hurt. Jeff Wilson isn't isn't a threat to anything. Um you know, they're going to get Debo Samuel and, and Brandon Ayuk involved in the game uh, on the ground and through the air. And McKinnon's McKinnon's going to be the guy. And again, and, and as long as he's healthy, it's his spot. They paid the man. They're going to use him. So with his health, yeah, I, I would say it's here to stay. But we've seen in the past where all of a sudden he gets that role and poof, it's gone. Yeah, with Jarek, I think that it's his job, and even when Mostert comes back, I think it's still his job until he, you know, kind of gets maybe possibly gets outplayed by Mostert. As you know, he put Mostert had a fantastic end of the season last year, 
But more likely than not, this ends up being a messy backfield, a a messy situation where you don't really want to start either of them. So, you know, just kind of take advantage of the McKinnon starts while you can. I I would trade McKinnon for an early second right now. I know that you said you would trade any second for McKinnon. But if I can somehow secure a, a pick in the 10 to 15 range for McKinnon, that's something I would do. Because I he he is the type of asset that when his value is gone, it's going to evaporate. Yeah, I'll say if you're getting a late first or like a guaranteed top two or three for McKinnon, I'm probably taking it. Um, that that potential long-term value in that pick is going to be worth more than what's more than likely short-term McKinnon value, even though I I do think, I mean, the talent's always been there. It's keeping him on the field. So uh, I think if for some reason somebody's offering you a late first, uh, you you grab that and run. And try to, I mean, you could even turn that probably into something that's going to have a little more value long-term than, than what McKinnon maybe would. And now it's time for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers backfield. We have Ronald Jones having himself a big day, 100 yards on the ground. And we have Kashawn Vaughn making his debut. I'm not sure if he's played before, but certainly his debut of getting touches with scoring a touchdown through the air. And which is interesting because you would think that Vaughn was really only in the game because Fournette was out, which is to an extent true. But Fournette's not the one getting those red zone targets. It would it would probably be Ronald Jones or you know, somebody else or LaShawn McCoy or basically anyone else other than Fournette in that offense. So I, I, I'm i sticking with the narrative that somehow Ronald Jones is going to try and, you know, decrease this role with his relationship with Tom Brady. It doesn't seem like they have the best relationship, but with Vaughn, I still don't think he's any sort of reliable week to week. I mean, definitely not reliable week to week, but I still think we basically need Fournette to be out for the year for, for Vaughn to be, any sort of relevant um, Jones is showing that when Fournette is out, he's very relevant. He's going to get the touches. Not that surprised anybody with 20, 20 carries for 111 yards. Uh, and once again, anytime you can get an RB one that doesn't have much competition for carries in an offense, as good as the bucks, that's, that's, that's kind of touches that you want. Absolutely. And, and not to go on notice, Ronald Jones had nine targets. So that, that, okay, no, and, and. What did he do with those nine targets? It doesn't matter what he did. <laughs> he caught targets. six of those targets for, well, let's see, 17 yards. Did you, did you see, did you, uh, at Mr. Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, did you see where all of those targets were located? In the backfield. Duh. Literally all of them were behind the line of scrimmage. So, I mean, yes, he's probably not being used, going to be used super efficiently in that role. But I think obviously we know targets are sticky and that's that's something we can kind of learn and grow with. So knowing that Ronald Jones is going to be involved this way when Leonard Fournette isn't around, you know, whether it's full season, short term, whatever it happens to be, I think whoever the running back is in this backfield is going to be a big part in the passing game. Obviously, he's going to be in tune for 18 plus touches on the ground. And whoever the backup is, is probably going to be getting some red zone looks and is going to get any cleanup duty, right? So I still don't think Sean Vaughn is any good. But in this offense, Tom Brady led, assuming everyone's healthy, assuming they have Chris Godwin back, there's going to be a lot of 
of cheap looks at red zone touches. They they like to spread the ball around. Obviously, they I mean, I think he targeted like 11 different players or something. And he he had five touchdowns to five different receivers. Right, which is crazy. I didn't think a washed-ass Tom Brady could do anything like that. He threw for like 370 and five. So maybe maybe Florida has brought him some youth thing around other old people. He did have a Jameis, though. He had a pick six. Well, yeah, but you're going to have those when you're throwing dead ducks across the field. <laughs> so I, I think I think whoever the back is and whoever the lead back is going to be, uh, it's either going to be Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette. It's going to depend on health. Whoever it is is going to get the touches. Is going to eventually score more touchdowns. Um, we just we need to know. We need some clarity, honestly. So it's either going to be Fournette and Jones or Jones Jones and and Vaughn. I think if Fournette's healthy, he is going to be the lead, but. That doesn't mean that Ronald Jones doesn't have value and he isn't startable. I think I think he's pretty much startable on a week to week basis, barring any you know, any you know, if he's on the injury report or, you know, really bad matchups. I, I, I just think he's he's gonna be startable. Yep. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business. And I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. All right, let's go on to our friends over at DoorDash. You've counted on restaurants, and now they are counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they are still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your front door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and even the Cheesecake Factory. And many of your local favorite spots are also open for delivery as well. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download DoorDash and type in BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Again, that's BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Daniel Senio. Right before the season started, we had a guest on. I think it might have been Bruce Madsen. And you guys were singing the praises of one Kenyon Drake. (laughs) And I was saying, not so fast, my friend. I'm not so sure we are anointing Kenyon Drake RB1 God. And Edmonton season is a possibility. And I think you and and Bruce laughed in my face and said, Mm -hmm. you're a former Mm -hmm. Kenyon Drake truther. What are you thinking? Mm -hmm. What was I thinking, Dan? 
you were thinking he'd get what, like eight touches and be mediocre with them and get a touchdown. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, he definitely looked like an RB one to me against a really good Carolina Panther defense. Um, yeah, Kenyon Drake, man. Um, this isn't really. I mean, they're just running him into the line, and he's dancing when he even has looks. I, he doesn't look comfortable. It doesn't. It looks forced. Kyler's looking great. I just don't get it. The offense seems just he, slightly it, off. He looks like a playmaker. Does he look like a quarterback? He's a gamer, man. It doesn't matter. He's going to score points left and right. Yeah. That uh, le- the I, threat with his legs, he's going to be I, able to throw friend, it on field. Our friend Russell Clay texted me at like 120 yesterday asking, is Kyler Murray a good passer? And I'm like, does it matter? <laughs> it doesn't. It, it does not. He looks good. The, his threat of his legs increases his passing ability doesn't make him a better physical passer right he's not gonna stand in the in the pocket and be and be tom brady that's not his game he's gonna roll out he's gonna sidearm sling it he's gonna do whatever he needs to do chances are he's gonna take off and run even though he only ran six times right through 30 some passes he he is here to stay this is what we wanted baker mayfield to be this is the closest thing we're gonna have to lamar jackson I think those two are essentially the same type of guy. Neither are elite passers, but their legs make them scary, and it keeps the defense at bay. That's going to be his career MO, and it's always going to work, assuming health, and he's going to score a million fantasy points. And we've learned how many times that you don't have to be an elite quarterback to be an elite fantasy producer. Yeah, for sure. And we did kind of assume that that would you know, rub off on Kenyon Drake, but it hasn't so far. But... That does mean there's some sort of a buy low opportunity on Kenyon Drake. If someone's, you know, trying to sell off for a late first round pick, then I would go out and try and <laughs> buy for that. But more often than not, I'm guessing most people are still sticking with Kenyon Drake at, at, at his current stage and saying, all right, he's going to pop off one game and have, you know, 12 carries for 180 and a touch. It has to click at some point, right? I mean, it's look, he's looked so disjointed and out of place this year after he just kind of has always looked like he'll fit in wherever he's going to fit in. I think he only had really had one halfway decent game, and that was against Washington. His lack of use in the passing game is probably the most worrisome thing for me. Uh, that is where I think we're, we're going to continue to see more of Chase Edmonds. He's had more, I think, more targets and more catches in every game than Kenyon Drake has had. And I think that's where Chase Edmonds excels, honestly. I, I think I think he's a better player in that in that spot. So uh, I can't blame them for wanting to turn to him in, in the passing game more. I, I just something has to click for Kenyon Drake. And if it doesn't, we were wrong and he's actually bad, but I don't think he's actually bad. I, I just I think he's finding his place here. And next we will move on to one McCole Hardman who has been a best ball delight so far this season. We are uh, recording this as he just finished up a four catch for 27 yard and a touchdown performance, scored a touchdown uh, in week three as well. And I think this is just going to be what he, what he is. He's going to get the one deep shot or one, you know, at least somewhat (laughs) deep target shot per game. And if it goes for a touch, he's going to be worth a start. And if he doesn't, he's probably not going to be because Sammy is still the volume wide receiver too in an offense that is going to rely on the running backs and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So like the wide receiver two slot in Kansas city, we kind of have talked about how it could be valuable, but there's just so many targets going to running back and tight end that 
is it really that valuable? It's hard to say yes to that, honestly. It, it, as dynamic as this offense is, like you said, it's it's a couple of guys. You have you have an elite, you have two elite pass catchers, and then you have a former elite pass catcher and what we hope to be an explosive playmaker. Who, I mean, he ha- I guess he has a fifty yard touchdown, but we we haven't really seen what we thought we would see from McCole Hardman. We assumed having Tyree Kill and McCole Hardman on the field at the same time was going to be a cheat code, and it just really hasn't been there yet. Uh, again, he's still young. This is only a second season, but I, I would have hoped to have seen a little bit more. Uh, week three was was a little bit more of how I would have expected him to been used all the time. I, I'd like to see him consistently getting that six plus targets, uh, especially with how much Mahomes is throwing and probably should be throwing, even though. He only threw, what, like 28, 30 times. Um, So um, it's a weird spot because the offense is so elite and Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. It's hard. It's really hard to to prop up those secondary options. It's even kind of difficult to put CEH as as high as we want to put him because of where he is. To me, he's just not like a great back. He's a product of his situation, and I, I think we we way too quickly put him really high. I still think at the end of the day that us propping up his value because the offense is going to end up being a fine decision. Like he's not going to like burn you because he's going to get the the volume. You know, he had four catches or no, uh, he had three catches on on Monday night, and he still had sixteen carries. And over the long haul, he's going to be getting similar volume, uh, you know. So I think that he's he's not going to have as many big weeks as we were expecting, especially in, in the his rookie season. But he's going he's he's still going to have a high floor. Yeah, no, the floor is absolutely there. It's baked in with with the team. Uh, but I mean, there's there's still a lot of room. It's not it's not a definite thing. I will say, I, I as high as his floor is. It, I don't think he's like a 100% chance to hit. He's a product of a situation. And I, that's that's going to be the hill that I probably die on with CEH. I think he looks fine. I definitely don't think he looks great. Another man who is a product of his situation is one Dalton Schultz, your tight end five on the season. And I will admit that Dalton Schultz being the tight end five has proven one of my offseason takes incorrect. If Blake Jarwin was healthy, he'd be the tight end five too. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem to matter. No, no matter how many wide receivers that ha- team has, no matter how much volume Zeke gets, they're going to get some volume for that tight end. And, and now Dalton Schultz. Uh, so, does he have dynasty value yet? Is it more of like a, a one-year type deal? What are your thoughts on him? As much as I want to say it's just a redraft value type thing. <laughs> Dallas has had a tight end play a big role in their offense for a really long time. And even though we have different play callers and different coaches and this and that and the other thing, it's been a trend. It's something that Jerry Jones has just kind of had for the last however many years going from Jason Witten now to whatever this new flock of tight ends is. Um, but yeah, we we were both pretty wrong when it came to, well, there's not going to be anything left after Amari Gallup and CD get done with their with their targets, 
And then you've got Dak throwing the ball like 70 times and Michael Gallup has five targets. He's had five targets three times this season. Only one time did he have more than that. And that game, he went six for 138 and a touchdown. So uh, I don't know why they aren't using Gallup more. It's probably a Dak thing. He's been leaning on Amari. Uh, he's been getting in the ball to CD a lot. I mean, CD's been open a lot too. I mean, he's just the force inside. And then, you know, using using the tight end just kind of as your, you know, as your safety valve is, again, something that this offense has always had. So Schultz has looked pretty good doing it. I don't know that Jarwin would have looked as good as Schultz is looking. I thought Jarwin was, was going to be pretty good, but Schultz has been making it look pretty easy the last couple of weeks. I think it was week two. He had his other big game where he went like he had like ten catches or something, nine catches, and and just was kind of went off. Didn't have anything week one. So yeah, this this offense kind of might be a little bit of a headache. I think it's a really good opportunity to buy low on Michael Gallup, uh, especially in best ball leagues. I think this year is going to be a best ball season for him. He's going to have some some week winning scores, honestly. Uh, like he did in week two. Uh, it's, um, yeah, it, it's it's a crazy offense. Again, so much talent at, at pretty much every position. Um, high-end offensive line. There's there's a ton of dynasty value to boot, and I think, unfortunately, we probably have to say we were wrong on the whole tight end not happening this year and not having any dynasty value because Dalton Schultz probably should have some at least short-term dynasty value. Now let's talk about a quadrupleness of wide receivers who do have some short-term fantasy value because of some breakoutage of the week four variety. And we can just uh, hit on each of them, maybe talk about our favorite of the bunch from a nice perspective. We have Tim Patrick, Denver Broncos, Traquan Smith, New Orleans Saints, David Moore, New Orleans, I mean, <laughs> David Moore, uh, Seattle Seahawks, and Scotty Miller, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Which one of these guys has you shaken in your loins? Ooh, probably Traquan. He, he was a guy that I, I liked last year. Um, thought he would have a bigger role in the offense. It never really happened. And now we we kind of are getting to see what things could look like if he got a big-time role. And honestly, I think the product of this is going to be New Orleans using more of Michael Thomas and Traquan Smith rather than just, it just being Michael Thomas and them going back to the way that it was. Uh, I think they're realizing that Traquan Smith actually can play. I know Denver likes Tim Patrick a lot. Cortland Sutton's going to come back at some point, and that'll probably be the end of Tim Patrick. Um, or or K, or KJ Hamler is going to you know start playing. I know you hate him because he has you know bricks for hands. But hands like feet. Hands like feet. There you go. Whatever you want to call him. <laughs> but I mean, I I agree. I, I think that Tim Patrick probably has the uh, lowest upside of this group maybe paired with with david moore i i'm kind of leaning scotty though with how this bucks offense is shaking out oj howard is out for the season and, and you have uh chris godwin and mike evans but you really don't have much else you have the corpse of, of rob gronkowski and you know scotty miller insert the trope of the white white, white receiver in the tom brady offense but i i think got uh scotty miller is going to be a guy with godwin in godwin out Miller's going to see like seven to 10 targets a game. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's got three games over 70 yards. 
um, caught his first touchdown this week, but the fact that he keeps putting up numbers in, in one of Evans or Godwin hasn't played, I think, in all three of those bigger games. Yeah, now with O.J. Howard being gone, tight end not really existing there. Uh, I guess Cam Brate still kind of is a is a thing, but I think we are going to continue to see some Scotty Miller. So I, I think I don't think there's a ton, ton of upside with Scotty Miller, but I also think there's a decent floor, which I guess for bye week fills, that might be kind of one of the guys you're looking towards is somebody that's probably just going to go out, get you three to five catches and like 50 yards and you hope for a score. And I, I think Traquan has a ton of upside. And I really, I probably would say that Tim Patrick is probably essentially just going to be a drop once we see some health coming back. I don't think he's going to be something that exists long term. And David Moore has a, you know, has an uphill climb as well. He he's got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in front of him, and um, some running backs that are getting a lot of touches. Obviously, we've seen Russell Wilson throw more this year than we really ever have. So maybe maybe he can support a third a third wide receiver while we're we're seeing this huge uptick in in usage, but um, it hasn't been a lot for David Moore. It's just he's been efficient with his touches when he's gotten them. He's had he's had two touchdowns this year, um, but never more than four targets. So uh, the the not getting big usage, but we all know how efficient Russell is. So maybe that role sticks, and and we just hope for big plays. Yeah, I mean David Moore is the. I mean all these guys are, but more so David Moore. I don't see in a season really putting David Moore in any lineups, but I'll gladly benefit if I have him on any best ball teams. Um, whereas I can see myself putting Patrick in the short term and definitely Traquan Smith and Miller in my lineups as the season goes on. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm right on board with that for sure. hundred percent. And you're on board with those receivers and I'm on board with bet online. The wait it's finally over. We're a month of the season. Football's back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get on their season opening bonuses today. Start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship features all day or day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all of our, all of their great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Alrighty, that should wrap us up for this evening. Good luck in week five, everybody. Uh, we love you. Make sure to rate, subscribe, leave a review. Uh, if you need... Your, you, not if you not, not not if you do you need a Rotoviz subscription. So go to rotoviz.com, put in that promo code twenty twenty RV radio, get ten percent off a Rotoviz pass, and get your knowledge on, folks, because you got your knowledge on by listening to us. You know the smartest in the fantasy industry. Now got to get your knowledge on with your with your eyes, your os. Got to read the content, read the content and tools, and also use your ears to listen to this podcast every week. Really taste it with your eyes. Taste it. Kadu Beautifully done. I'd say I couldn't have said it better myself, but I think we know who the ad reader is here. <laughs> 
You may be the ad reader, but I am the one with the microphone that makes me have a deep voice three times during this podcast. True. Very true. I kind of liked it. <laughs> yes, I should podcast on my couch with the, the microphone falling off my couch three times during the episode. 